You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red. Nottingham Forest face a massive, massive game in the Premier League on Monday, potentially season-defining one. So we're going to look ahead to that, talk uh, formations, tactics, how we like them to go about it, who's going to play. Uh, it's normally Temps who does these with me most often, but uh, he's unavailable today. So Mikey Clark has kindly stepped in. Mikey, good afternoon. Are you well? Afternoon, yeah. Upgrade today for the guys, yeah. <laughs> you normally say downgrade, people normally say, but yeah. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I'm great, Matt. Thank you. You're really good. Really looking forward to Monday. Feels absolutely huge. How are you anyway? You good? I'm all, I'm all right. We won't say it. I mean, I'll, well, I'll say up great attempts. I heard earlier he was commentating on Notts Cricket for BBC Radio Nottingham. I, mean, I think he knows you know less about cricket than he knows about football, which is potentially saying something. But yeah, um, right. We did. I dug out. I spent a minute digging out attempts, so we should actually get into this game. I think one of the notes that you sent over to me, and I think I've seen it on Twitter a few times, is the phrase biggest game since Wembley. Is that how you're seeing it? It is, yeah. And I've tried to downplay my uh, views on it, but I'm finding it very, very difficult. I I think you get games throughout the season, regardless of what league you're in, that just have that feel of being absolutely ginormous. And this this is very much one of them. So regardless of what happened last week at Brentford, the results really, really went for us since then. And it now has the feel of being even bigger because we're down to the last four games, 12 points to play for, you know, Temps, and I'll, I'll say something nice about him now. Temps always talks about his roadmap for survival, right? Now, I'm not sure I had one, but if I did, there is no scenario for survival which doesn't include a win on Monday. I'll, I'll be I'll be brutally honest. That's where my head is. So this this game is absolutely bloody ginormous. So if we can somehow get a win from this game, it sets us up really nicely because if you look at some of the other fixtures that the team around us have got, it's very or should I say highly conceivable that we are going to go into the last three games of the season nine points needed with our heads clear of water, knowing that one result, even a draw could be enough to keep us up. So it's massive. And it just has this feel as well, you know, a, a night game at the city ground, Monday night, knowing you can get out that bottom three. It's it, it's just huge. And it's against a team where, with all due respect, it, it's one of them where you're thinking, if we turn up and play to the levels of ability that we have in this squad with, it, with this group of players, and they only have to hop back to the last game at Brighton, then it's a game we should really be targeting for winning. And I think it is a must win. I'll be honest with you. I think we have to win this game. Uh, hello to people in the comments. I don't normally do this, but I'll say hello to people because we've got lots of uh, good afternoons. So uh, Jason, Stephen, Peter, Will, uh, Jiminy, not Jim, Tony, Alex, uh, who else? That's about it. Lots of people commenting on the game, agreeing with you, basically. I suppose it's interesting because they would have games after against Arsenal and Chelsea and uh, Palace, obviously. But if we don't win this one, you, you think kind of the psychological blow would be too much to overcome potentially, and it it's really is all on the line. You can't see them getting uh, a win against Chelsea and a draw against Arsenal or something like that to keep them up then. No, I, I can't. I'll just be honest. I, I can't. So if, if you remember how we felt, you know, going into, what, 20-5 to five last Saturday, 1-0 up at Brentford, 
and then and then to let that slip and go back to you know dropping into dropping into the bottom three. Remember how everybody felt after that. The good thing is results went for us. They really went for us. And now this game becomes even bigger. So I think it is a must-win game on, on Monday. I think we're getting to the stage of the season now where it's, you know, there's four games to go. There is no second chance. We have to go there, stamp our authority on the game on Monday night, win the game, get out that bottom three. And then, as we've seen in recent weeks, there have been some strange results in this league in, in recent weeks. Some teams have got absolutely battered. And then you get some results where, you know, Southampton went to Chelsea and won 1-0 a few weeks ago. So it is possible. But I just don't I just don't see a scenario where we, if we don't win on Monday, we can then climb up. I mean, I might be completely wrong. We might get a draw on Monday or lose and then go to uh, Chelsea and turn them over because they're not in great form. But I just think the momentum of winning on Monday will set us up really, really nicely. Now, imagine if we would have got something from the Brent, Brentford game even a point, you know, I, I don't, I think my nerves will be a lot more settled than they are now because win at Brighton, point at Brentford, I think we turn Southampton over and I think it's almost job done, but that didn't happen. But luckily, like I said, results really went for us and it almost feels like we're getting second chance after second chance. Well, we have to take this chance, Matt. There's no, there's no turning back. We've got to win on Monday. Um, we'll talk about how difficult Monday is going to be because uh, I know we're talking like they have to win, which they do, but it's not going to be easy. There's a few problems that Southampton will pose, so we'll get to that. I'll just look at the other fixtures quickly because they are relevant and pick your brains on each one. Uh, I suppose the main three are obviously now Leicester, Everton and um, Leeds. Not so much West Ham, but they could get dragged back into it still. They've got main ice at home based on other results, but primarily the three teams I mentioned there initially. Leicester go to Fulham. Well, I think Leicester can get a result there because they don't have Mitrovic or Pereira. Do you see it that way? Yeah, I, I do. And I, it's strange saying this about a team that was below us before Monday night, but I, I've never really seen them as to be one that's in trouble. It's always been Leeds um, and Everton and Southampton and us for me. And the same goes for West Ham. You know, I, I don't see them being dragged into it which is a crazy thing to say really when you look at the table and there's literally just a handful of games left but I, I do think they have winnable more than winnable games and I think um I think the weekend's one of them you know full amount to, at full strength you know wouldn't be disingenuous to say you know teams are are on the, are on the beach you know these are professional athletes and uh, you know I don't, don't know whether that even exists but um I think it's fair to say that Fulham are safe they are um, a very tight group. They've been together for quite a while. They only had one or two players, so I think it will be it will be a tough game. But like I said, I do fancy Leicester to get something there. I fancy Everton to get battered at Brighton. Having watched them last night, to be honest with you, and and against Wolves, putting six past them. So with that in mind, I think Leicester will get out of it. I think Everton are right in the mix, and like I said, you know, a positive result on Monday. Heads above water with nine points to play. And I tell you what, guys, everybody watching and listening to this, if, if we would have said three games to go, we're at that bottom three, you know, surely we would have, we would have all taken that, surely. Um, and Leeds, obviously, Man City uh, away. I know it's Sam Allardyce who, you know, he's on a par with Guardiola and uh, 
you know, Klopp and Arteta, as he says, no doubt. I, I was actually think that was quite clever media tactics to deflect some attention because if he believes it, then he's deluded. But we can't see them getting anything, can we, at City? No, <clears throat> no, I don't think so. I think um, uh, there are City games where. I think they might have one of the teams around us. Uh, I'm not too sure who it is, but I think that that comes in the middle of the of Real Madrid double header. So that worry it could be Everton actually. So that worries me a lot more than the game against Leeds uh, at the weekend. So now I fancy uh, Man City to do what they always do and turn turn them over. Um, but I think Sam Allardyce. Or, but I mean, I really like Big Sam to be honest with you. You know that Matt. I think he's I think he's a character. Um, I think he'll be targeting their games against uh, who have they got? Tottenham at home, and I think they've got another winnable one. I think Bournemouth on the last day, haven't yeah. they? I think. Yeah, he'll be targeting them too, and he knows probably four points might just about even save from them too. So I, I, I think that the Man City one, not that you ever chalk a football game off, but if they get anything from that, then fair play to them. Um, but I, but I can't see it, which you know makes our game even more um, vital. I think. I know this is a Southampton preview, Matt, but this this Chelsea game, it always worries me because if you look at Lampard's record, I think he's lost something like 11 of his last 12. He's lost six on the bounce at Chelsea. There's always a, It always seems when Forrest rock up to these places, you know, we get turned over and, and that record goes. But let's hope they get beat again and then, uh, you know, we've got a bit of a chance there because they are a very disjointed outfit having watched them against uh, Arsenal. and. If we set up the way we can set up with that deep block, which I'm not a fan of, but maybe for this game it might work, frustrate their crowd, we could we could get a point. And like I said, if we win on Monday, a point at Chelsea, blimey, that could just about see us over the line. And that, that last uh, weekend at, at Palace need not be nerve-wracking for everybody involved. So let's say that's the case. Uh, I read the fixtures out wrong there, so forgive me. I'll read out the remaining games to the teams, actually. I think people probably know them all. But Everton have got Brighton away, Man City at home. Very difficult. Wolves away, could be anything. Then Bournemouth at home, which does favour them. But we've seen Bournemouth are a decent side, and they play Chelsea this weekend. So, as Mikey said, a Bournemouth win would be handy there. Leeds, Man City away, Newcastle at home. Very difficult. West Ham away, Tottenham at home. Again, two interesting fixtures. Uh, and then we know our fixtures, obviously. Leicester, Fulham away, Liverpool at home, Newcastle away, difficult. And then West Ham at home on the last day. It's interesting, I dropped off my daughter, uh, uh, sorry, I dropped off a friend of my daughter's from Brownies yesterday, uh, and my, do- my daughter went in the house, said, I'll be five minutes. She was there for 30 minutes, and the point of this story is the dad's a Leicester fan, so we spoke for a good 30 minutes about the relegation battle an FPL, actually, but mostly the relegation battle. And the recurring themes are quite interesting around he, Leicester, you're saying, throwing away points, individual errors, poor recruitment in the terms of not actually signing enough players to the opposite of, of Forrest. And I think the point remains that everyone feels pretty resigned and pretty in trouble, don't they? And we're all sort of in the same boat and it comes down to this big shootout now, doesn't it? It does yeah, it's weird you say that actually. I used to live in Leicester and I, I still talk to quite a lot of people there, and and they are, uh, yeah, I'm not saying they're resigned to it, but they are very, very, very nervous. Whereas I look at it probably because I'm not emotionally attached to that football club and I still think they'll be okay. But I guess you've got different view when you're right in the mix. And I guess, you know, me being a, a Forest fan and being emotionally invested with this football club, I, I not always fear the worst, but you always try to give yourself a bit of a buffer 
in, in terms of trying to get out there. So I won't feel safe until it's mathematically impossible for us to get relegated because I always think we're going to um, find a way to lose a football game. But with that said, I'm going to be very positive today. Uh, with that said, I do see us winning on Monday. I really do. So hop back to that second half at, um, at Brighton when we stepped up 10 yards up the pitch. We went to a back four. I'm sure we'll talk about formations in a minute, Matt. Um, got on the front foot, um, pressured them at the right time. And we were by far the better team in that game. And then Brighton go and turn Wolves over 6-0 and then go and beat Man U. So if we can do it to a team of that calibre, and they are a very, very good football team, Brighton, then there's no reason why, if we get the nerves out of the way, the crowd are behind them, we start fast, that we can't turn Southampton over. And it could be a really fruitful bank holiday weekend if the results go for us because we are in that we are in that stage now where we're looking at all the results I hate doing it but that's where we are you know I was very down after the Brentford um say capitulation that's a bit hard you know it was actually that, that last 10 minutes was horrible um I was very down but then other results cheered me up and now I'm at a stage where I'm thinking this is doable we can do this you know great positive result on Monday and everybody's buzzing and we're thinking positive ahead of you know three tough games to come and it could just be Matt that if we win on Monday we only need another point you know looking at scenarios and that fixture list for all those teams there's no there's no easy there's no gimmies there is there when you look at their their runnings there's no way where you'd say they are absolutely going to win that football game so I think potentially 34 could be enough. I certainly think 35 or 36 will but 34 could be enough which is incredible because I think last time I was on here I was talking about 36 and 37 I don't think it would be that much really don't no there's no there's normally one of the promoted teams is absolute fodder isn't it that the probably low rate you know they're gone and the points total becomes different for the teams above them to survive obviously it's been Norwich and Watford but this year the promoted teams have been really strong other than Forest who are obviously struggling so it's changed the dynamic a bit I think the key for me on Monday, regardless of formation, and I don't know if you agree, is probably play a higher line, be more, be aggressive, mostly because uh, it might help stop us giving away free kicks near our goal. Because to me, that's Southampton's biggest threat is more price. It only takes one quality delivery or one quality free kick into the top corner, and that creates problems. Because otherwise, I feel quite confident. Is that your big worry about Southampton, just the quality of his right boot? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, he's he's a wonderful player. Um, yeah, really good footballer. And, and we, we don't want to be doing that. I mean, we gave away a free kick on Saturday. You know, look what happened with 10 minutes to go. So I think that's a really valid point. I touched on it earlier about what I saw in that second half at Brighton when we went to a four, when we pushed 10 yards higher, won the ball further higher up the pitch. So that, that second um, goal from Danilo, comes from us winning the ball high up the pitch. And I think when you do that and when you step onto an opposition, and, you know, let's let's not die wondering here, you know, if we there's no second chances here. We're down to four games to go. We've got to try and win a football game. And I, I, I genuinely think that's the best way of doing it. So I'd like to see us employ a bit more aggressive tactics, push further up, try and win the ball higher up. As much as you said, Matt, to stop them from creating with, with their most dangerous player. So even if that's at the back of um, Steve Cooper's mindset and maybe swings him towards going with that approach, I, I wouldn't be against that whatsoever. I guess the alternative is we 
we go with a five, play a little bit cagey. You've probably got two teams there that, that aren't bothered about having 30% of the ball. It might be an interesting game, but you know, I, I really would like to see us take the initiative in this game in particular, just because of what it what it means. I mean, forest ground under the lights on a Monday night is going to be special. You know, you've got to start quick, got to start positive and aggressive. And I think you set yourself up to do that. And I think the best way of doing that is to play 10, 15 yards further up the pitch with the back four. Yeah, we'll get into formation options. I mean, I personally don't mind whether it's a four or a five as much. I just think that that line and that attitude is different. I could understand, like, watching that Brighton game, it was in the first half, it was a bit frustrating sitting so deep. But you can understand why when you see the quality of Brighton's passing. Do you remember that game? The one time we did press, they were just straight through us. And obviously, we saw against United yesterday the, the quality that Brighton have. Southampton are a different team, really. I'd like to think that we could play a slightly more risky game and take it to them because I think they're going to they're going to come at us, aren't they? It's like it, I mean, we say we're in the last chance saloon. They really are. I mean, if Forest can get at them and get the lead, then it might break them. Hopefully, you'd like to think so. I mean, I've just been looking at um, how Southampton have set up in the last couple of games. They've, they've basically played a, a basic four four two. Really, I think they've got uh, Suleimarin. Is it Al- Alcaraz up front or Walcott? I think they, they switched those guys, but it. It is essentially a four-four-two. So, you know, we can kind of match them up in midfield, two on two in midfield, and you can do that with with any of the shapes really, or you could go with a three. But I do think mentality and confidence plays a huge part in a game like this. It's almost I don't know, I, I try and hop back to when we've been in a similar situation. So when we were in the championship and we were struggling and, you know, we stayed up against Ipswich on that last day, there were a couple of home games before then where we we looked we looked a little bit nervous. Um, we sort of sat back and we were waiting for the opposition to, to almost make a mistake for us to capitalise. And that went to the last day, almost to the last minute with Blackburn scoring a load of goals in the other game to sort of keep us honest. Um, I really don't want to see that on Monday. You know, I said it before, let's not die wondering. Let's not worry too much about what Southampton are going to give us because they are, table to tells you this, they are the worst team in the league. You know, and this is Nottingham Forest at home. We've lost once there in about four months. You know, we're probably even longer. We are a damn good football team at home and we've beaten better opposition this season than Southampton. So let's be positive. Let's go there fans and players and management and staff alike and say we are going to win this game, we're going to dominate this game and this is how we're going to do it. Not worry too much about a team that's basically going down. No, I don't want to don't want to leave there at 10 o'clock thinking, oh, I just wish we were a little bit more aggressive and on the front foot. Let's let's go go at it from the start. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But I'm pretty sure it will. I'm supremely confident for Monday Matt. And which is not like me at all, is it, really? No. <laughs> Usually not. But I am. I just, I've just i gone through all the permutations in my head. I've looked at the teams and I just can't see a way that we're not going to win this game. Hopefully so. Hope so. As Nick says, uh, if I can put this on, uh, if you are watching, hit the like button. Do subscribe. Uh, it does help. We get more viewers than we have subscribers for every single video. So uh, if you are a regular viewer, do subscribe and get notifications and help us grow the podcast. 
Um, there's a comment from Steve-O uh, about, you know, we expect to beat Fulham and Bournemouth home. True, but we also didn't expect to beat Liverpool or draw with Man City. So I think you just have to um, take it as horses for courses. And I do think we've still got a good threat at home. Right, we've talked a lot about um, formations and lineups, So I'll put one up here. This is what we think it will probably be based on what Steve Cooper's done in the last few games. And we'll talk around possible different permutations and personnel, but we this is a kind of the predicted lineup. So I'll read out people who are listening, not watching. Navas in goal, uh, still with a back three, Worrell, Felipe, Niakate, wingbacks, Aurier and Lodi, Danilo, if fit, Mangala uh, making up the midfield, Gibbs White in behind Johnson and Awanyi. If that is it, Mikey, would you be gutted or can you still see that team winning? No, I won't be gutted. I think for those people that listened to, was it Tuesday's podcast with um, Lewis McGugan? Lewis made some really interesting points that I hadn't considered about the back five and about rigour and routine and what the players are used to. And the fact that if they go one nil down, they think, OK, what, what, what do we do now? All that sort of stuff, maybe that I hadn't considered. Um, so I wouldn't be averse to it. It's not the way I would go. Like I said, I, w- I would be not ultra aggressive, but I would try and be on the front foot right from the beginning. And I think the best way to do that is with a four and then a three in midfield and, and push further up the pitch. That's not to say you can't do it with this team. I think the thing that worries me is you've got five, maybe six defensive minded players on the pitch at the start of a game. Our last probably proper winnable home game that you have to win. I, I'd just be a little bit more front foot, if I'm honest. Now, like I said, Southampton have played 4 4 2 the last couple of games, give or take. So I can understand having the three centre backs to mark their two fours. That kind of makes sense to me. Um, I suppose it depends on how far we can get Aurier and Lodi up the pitch. If it's going to be if it's going to be a back five, then no, I, I wouldn't like it at all. If they are going to play nearer towards the halfway line than to their opposition goal, i.e. making it a five in midfield, that would outnumber their four. So that's where I would be more receptive to that. Um, I think the key, as always, for me, though, is, is getting Morgan Gibbs-White on the ball wherever he plays. So whether it's as a false nine on the left of a three um, or uh, or sort of picking it up on the half turn and driving forward, I think the more we can get him on the ball and the more he can be on the half turn and look up and see John Johnson and, and Tyler in front of him as uh, options that he can pass to, the more we have a chance of winning this football game because let's not kid ourselves, everybody, he is pretty much the main man at Forest and most of our good stuff goes through Gibbs White. Um, I just don't want to see him be negated and I guess it's a case of what formation can give us the best chance of getting that man on the football where he can influence and dictate the game. So there's arguments for for either of these formations. Like I said, I'd go with a four, but I wouldn't be too disconcerted if he went with a three as long as those wing-backs played high up the pitch. What about you, Matt? I totally agree about the wing-backs. That was the first thing I was going to say. I, I don't mind um, a three at the back. It depends to me on a kind of attitude and, the, the, like I said earlier, the line that we play and how we do press. And you can't really play Aurier and Lodi uh, deep. Maybe you could um, make it... This is complicating it, isn't it? A back four in possession and get Lodi high up the pitch and things like that. And, you know, we see 
fullbacks playing different roles time and again now in you know and inverted midfields and stuff like that. So I don't think it needs to be set in stone. I think it's about like you say, getting those two wide players high at the pitch and creating a threat and not getting pinned back as a as a five and not sitting too deep personally. I think we need to push forward and take the games. I mean you can still do that with the three. Uh, and then like you say, it's where you win the ball on the pitch and where where you get it to Gibbs White and uh, Danilo's key for me. Uh, we saw that video of him in training, which doesn't mean he's 100% fit, but it means there's a chance he will be. Do you, uh, the thing about Danilo to me, Mike, is that like Shelby probably hindered Gibbs White because he bypassed him and he didn't have the energy to run beyond. But Danilo is one who can run beyond Gibbs White and create more space for him, you think? Yeah, yes, yeah, absolutely. It's hard to visualise a, a Forest midfield without him in it now. If, if I'm being honest with you, and that's that's testament to the lad. What is he? 21, 22, 22. coming over, twenty-two coming over to a, a different continent where he's never been. Doesn't really speak the language. I think he's um, uh, he's, he's fitted in brilliantly, and there's there's no um, there's no doubt that uh, that's why teams like Arsenal were looking at him a year or two ago. He's obviously got a hell of a lot of talent, and and he could be him and Gibbs White could be the difference. And helping us sort of stay up. I think he gives you energy and legs as well. I think where I've been critical at Forest before, and I think somebody's just put this in the comments, where I've been critical is the mobility in midfield um, compared to some of our opposition that we've played. And I think if you stick a couple of 20-year-old lads in there that will run all day, um, so much so that they calf tightens up at the end of the game, um, gives me a lot of, of optimism. And I think he's, he's going to be a special player. I think we got him on a six-and-a-half-year deal if if i if i read rightly which is a a really good bit of business because if he there's any there's a couple of ways that can go if he excels then there's a chance we kind of move him on for a hell of a lot more money um and if not then he can sort of grow with us over the over the years so i think he's a really good player i, I remember seeing his debut it might have been in the cup and i was sat near my brother um and my mate james and i said to them he's a lovely player when he gets his head up on the on the ball and i think since then He's just grown into the team. And I, and I also um, think it's really interesting. Cooper seems to be playing him slightly higher than mm. when. Have you noticed that as well? Because I'm sure in his debut, yeah. he's getting the ball off the back back three. He's not doing that anymore, is he? He's further up the pitch. No, he, he was marketed as a central midf- as a holding midfielder, wasn't he? And his highlights package on YouTube was him picking the ball up deep and driving and playing passes. But I suppose there's two facets to it. Probably one, they might not trust him to play a more disciplined role in the Premier League. And two, like you say, he's got so much energy that he can be a difference maker in attack. Obviously, his one weak point so far has, has been his finishing with, a, a, you know, the exception of that great goal against Brighton. His shooting hasn't been great, but hopefully that goal against Brighton lets him kick on. And obviously, we hope he's fit. If he's not fit, um, I suppose there's the three contenders to replace him, but each have got difficult situations. Ryan Yates, who uh, has played, what, 10 minutes of football in a month and I can't I can't imagine him being fit to start uh Czech Kriate who did really well against Brighton and had a nightmare against Brentford and Remo Freuler who you know has his faults and positives as well if you had to pick one of those three to start the game uh, in fact I'm going to take Yates out of it I just can't imagine he is fit to start but uh, would it be Yates first and then if not Kriate or Freuler for you my my heart says Ryan Yates, but the argument you make is very difficult to to argue against. Um, I think you probably start with Kiate in midfield. I think historically, even when he was 
I say fully fit with with um, inverted commas. Um, he was only doing about an hour anyway. So it seems logical to me that maybe you start with him to try and get a base um, in the centre of the park, try and win some of those physical battles, wear the opposition down. And then you bring uh, Mr Ryan Yates on with half an hour to go, who uh, the last time he came on a sub at home uh, was absolutely brilliant and changed the game. So I think it could be what we need. Imagine if the game's tight, maybe one goal in it either way. And, you know, we bring Ryan on. That, that automatically gives the home crowd a bit of a boost, gives the players a boost. That's probably the way I'd go. Let's hope the game's done and dusted by 60 minutes, but this is Forest, so that won't happen. <laughs> but I think if you if you start with Kiate and then go with Yates, I think Froehler is is useful, but I think he's lost his lost his place now and, and probably quite quite rightly, um, just because of the energy that the others give you. You know, I, I'm a big fan of Mangala as well. I, I think I said this at the start of the season, and and yes, he does have his games where he he looks pretty well, useless, if I'm honest with you. But but he does some real good tidy stuff a lot of the time. And I think his his energy and enthusiasm in there could be really, really key alongside Danilo, Gibbs White and Kiate. That is quite formidable, certainly at home anyway. Yeah, I think it I think what you say is probably right about Kiate for an hour and Yates for half an hour. I mean in an ideal world you probably switch them around, no disrespect to Kiate, but Yates has been the man and Kiate's had his moments. I do feel as an aside, if we do stay up to me, that's the one position that needs addressing more than any other. An athletic, powerful central midfielder who's good on the ball above anything and everything apart from goalkeeper obviously because we don't have one but um yeah that's the big thing for the summer uh right we need to go because um i'm actually doing my day job and uh, we were restricted to half an hour and we just about filled that time so give us some final words mikey to sum up how are you feeling going into it cool yep couple of quick things um i am feeling supremely confident and i'll put that down to um my mate Pete Blackburn, you know Pete, don't you, Matt? I do also. know Pete. <clears throat> he, he's in, he's in, a, he's in a group with me, and I am quite emotional at times about Forrest, as my wife will testify. So, when I have a bit of a bad moment, he's the guy that grounds me and says we're still in it. So he's worked on me quite a bit in recent weeks, bless him. So now I'm I'm absolutely seeing things from his level. I think we're going to win on Monday. Um, all I'd say to to the uh, the crowd is always not that they need a, a, a G up because our, our home form and our home crowd is absolutely magnificent is we are very much in this fight, guys. Like, honestly, if, if we would have said this at the start of the season, you know, you, you win two games like your last four, you stay up, you win one, maybe draw one, you stay up. And one of those home games is against bottom of the league. Come on, we'd all take that. So let's hope results go for us at the weekend. Let's hope Everton get thumped at Brighton and then we can all go to the city ground knowing we win this we are smelling safety we are that close we're in touching distance and and i think as always it might not be easy because this is forest so don't expect us to be two or three nil up after 10 minutes <laughs> if it is believe me i'll be going incredible and i'll be going insane um it might be tough and it might be sticky but we'll just uh we'll pull them through like we always do and i just hop back to that brighton second half that was touch and go. They were a very, very good team, much better than Southampton. And the guys and the team raised their game and blew them away that last half an hour. So if we can do very much similar, I expect three points. I expect everybody's going to be walking over Trent Bridge at the end, singing, very happy, and knowing we are within touching distance of staying up. 
there's my positivity. I told you I was going to be positive today, Matt, didn't I? There you go. You did. You did. I mean, I do actually, I do think Forest will win, but I, I don't think we can underestimate Southampton in terms of it's not going to be a cakewalk. It's going to be a really hard game. I think the fans have got a big role to play. The players have obviously got a big role to play and they have to, I think they have to get on the front foot as that's the main theme of what we've been talking about, I think, is be positive, be aggressive, take the game to them. And then that emotion of the final whistle come um, like 10 o'clock or whenever is, that's going to be massive. And I think that will hopefully give us the momentum that other teams don't have. And, and you know, all the other clubs, they feel less so Leicester because they've changed manager, but Leeds and Everton feeling a bit of a mess. And I hope that can be our advantage. I mean, Leeds have gone from Bielsa to Allardyce in the space of a year. So I'm, I might come back and bite me on the arse. And I don't want to mock Big Sam, but it feels like a desperate roll of the dice from them. And I, hopefully Forrest have that unity and that togetherness that can that can get them over the line and we can reflect on a, a job well done, no matter how they get there come the end of the season. Yeah, right. it's, it's, it's unity, Matt. It, honestly, just to add, it's unity and that's the difference. That's what I see at Forrest constantly. And you, you feel it when you go in the ground. Everybody's pulling in the same direction. So you don't, you know, I watched Leeds the other week. They were shouting, you're not fit to wear the shirts, booing them off. Everton have issues with their manager. Leicester, you know, if you take away the noise of the clappers, they're not very happy either. So what we have done differently at Forest for numerous years now is we get behind everybody and it just feels like one last push. And you asked me at the start, is it as big as Wembley? Maybe not as big, but I tell you what, it's close. And it, and if we come out of it with those three points, Matt, and we look back on it and say, do you know what? This is the final push. This this is where we secured our safety. I, I really do think that we are so, so close. And uh, let's hope for three points and a, and a great day on Monday. Hopefully so. Hopefully so. Thanks for everyone who's joined uh, with us and commented. Uh, very much appreciated. We shall be back on Tuesday morning to discuss the Southampton game in the company of uh, Gary Bursall's Michael Temple. And potentially a another, uh, we'll see uh, how that goes over the weekend. But in the meantime, have a good few days, try and enjoy the game. And hopefully we're all in a very happy and positive mood when we uh, catch up with you again on Tuesday.